sorry, I've just seen that um, Marius's dad is two years younger than Marius's grandpa. What? Oh, okay. it's 40, not 60. Oh, fuck. Okay, no, he's 28 <laughs> years younger. I thought that was 60 and 68. <laughs> uh, no, sorry. I don't know how I read 14, that. It is far away in a funky font. Yeah. Okay, sorry. I completely derailed <laughs> that, but I've been looking at it for a while and I was like, wait a second. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I've got a timeline of, I think it's every everything everything that happens. Mm, I mean, it's got a, Gilman's Oh, not everything. Yeah, A lot of things. Sorry. Behind on. Javert was born in 1780. He's an 80s child. He's a millennial. <laughs> Yeah. Jean Valjean and Marius' dad were born in the same year. God, you even got Felix's birth. <laughs> Talamese was younger, I mean older, than Mrs. Tenardier. Ugh. I don't like that. Well, but we don't know how old she is compared yeah. to Fontaine. Yeah. Well, we, we just can find out here in 96. <laughs> That's true. Ooh, what's she's, she's 12 years younger than Mrs. Tenardier. Oh, he's not that much. He's 13 years old. It's Brem Barricade's latest podcast. Hello, I'm Nima Martin. I use say them pronouns. I'm your moderator. And I we, we're sitting on Stevie's floor and earlier I picked up a hair that was bright purple and I was like, only here you could get like a wig hair. Oh. <laughs> like... On your, but it took me a second because I was like, nobody here has purple hair of this length. Where did this come from? What about oh, my room? Would you like to put on blast? Um, uh, I'm I'm Grace. I use they them pronouns. I'm your primary researcher, and the the hair was from my wig. <laughs> Hi, Grace. <laughs> <laughs> from when Sarah sat me down on top of a bin bag and cut my wig. <laughs> Uh, I'm Stevie, your secondary researcher, she, her pronouns. I have a sack of wigs. So you're lucky it was only one weird coloured hair, actually. Yeah. I hoped in the future to get like a... a Just a fistful. A, yeah. <laughs> I was going to... Like, what's the cat's... Uh, oh, a hairball. Hairball. Oh, yeah, gross. a hairball of wig hair. Talking of wig hair <laughs> and hairballs and hairball, we left on a cliffhanger last time on Red Barricade. <laughs> Speaking Great. of hair. Pear. <laughs> <laughs> and as we know, Cockney rhyming slang. That's not even Cockney rhyming slang. That is slang. definitely co- Cockney rhyming slang for this French word. We <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> covered that there was going to be some sort of occasion that um, piqued Monsieur Madeleine's um, a- attention towards Javert. <laughs> <laughs> this <is> huge wang. <laughs> I was gonna say he had a um, a stick, didn't he? He, he did a, have a cudgel. He had yes. a cudgel, and it had a descriptor, but I can't remember what the descriptor was. Probably thick. This one wasn't specifically. No. I don't think. Or we would have uh, left it in earlier. <laughs> <laughs> heavy, heavy, heavy. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's heavy also good. Stick. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. It's not as good as knotted. But... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I feel like knotted is... Oh, I can't weak. believe we've got descriptors for both their dicks. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> what happened in uh, um, this chapter in, entitled Père Fauchelevent? Madeleine is walking through the streets of uh, Montreux-sur-Mer and sees a commotion. 
there are there's a group of um, folks from the town gathered around some sort of shenanigans going on and he um, gets up to find out what's going on and he finds an old man who is called Père Fauchelevent has been trapped under the cart and the horse the horse has fallen and the, the horse has broken both of its back legs so the horse isn't going to get back up. Fauchelevent um, is sort of remarked on as being unusual um, to the town because he's one of the only people who's still not very comfortable around Monsieur Madeleine because he is still Monsieur Madeleine at this stage, not mm-hmm. Mayor Madeleine. Because this guy is a um, a law scrivener who is more educated than lots of the people around him, but his business is has not been going very well. So basically, what's been happening is that he's been seeing all of the factory workers basically mm. around him becoming more successful as the as the economy in the in the region starts to boom, but his business has crashed so he's resentful of um monsieur madeline basically so his yeah his his law scrivenry went bankrupt and um or he doesn't have a wife or family and all he has is his horse and a cart so he's become a courier until he became caught under the wheels of his cart Mm. um so he's not going to be courying and as we know the cart stands for france Yeah, I think it's society, isn't society. it? It's the sort of the state of society, I think. Was and the sort state of, where of economy. We... Yes. And, yeah, perfect example of a person who has been crushed. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Underneath, yes, nice, good. Yeah. Underneath the, 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 the wheels of the economy. And Monsieur Madeline's going to lift it up. Spoiler alert. <laughs> What's a beefy boy to do? What is a beefy boy to do? Yeah, so the, the sort of the problem is that the um the cart is very full of stuff and it the whole weight of it is pinned on his chest and even though everyone's been trying to drag him clear, there's a big crowd of people around. Um and you know, the the tension is being built up because, you know, any ill judged, clumsy movement, a sudden pull of the cart might crush him. There was no way of releasing him, um, except by lifting the cart from below. Javert who is already on the spot had sent for a jack. So um, Madeline's coming. In, Madeline's coming in, and um, everyone's coming. Everyone sets back, like, "Oh, here comes Madeline! Here comes Madeline!" And um, um, he's asks when when they'll be able to get a jack, but it's not going to be able to get there for about a quarter of an hour. And because the mud is so deep, the cart is sinking into the mud, and basically um, is going to crush. Is going to crush um, Fauchelevent. It's as you know, any um, any any second his his ribs might give way, so it's getting pretty fucking unpleasant. Um, Madeline's trying to get anyone to help, if at all possible, and you know points out that the only thing that they're going to be able to do to stop Fauchelevent from dying under the cart is for someone to crawl under the cart and push it up, and then someone can someone can pull Fauchelevent out. Um, he says, "Oh, I will. Um, I'm, I'm offering five louis d'or for um, someone to do this, and no one does. No one takes the offer." He says, "Ah, ten. No one takes it, and the offer goes up to twenty. And Javert um, points out that it's not that people don't want to. It's a it's a question of, of strength." Javert went on. You'll need to be tremendously strong to lift a load like that on your back. <laughs> With his eyes fixed upon Madeleine, he said slowly, <laughs> I have known only one man, Monsieur Madeleine, capable of doing what you ask. Madeleine started. Still with his eyes upon him, Javert added casually, 
he was a convict. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, that was just so dumb. <laughs> just, like, I love that it's specifically slowly with eye contact. So it could slowly be like, I've only known one man. <laughs> it's just like, what, what is the, what is the, the link? It's like, oh, I'm seeing someone dying. Like only one person from my from my deep history could have maybe saved us in this situation. This one guy who I saw this one time is just. I mean, but he's already said that he looks on him with an eye of familiarity, so it's yeah. It, it wouldn't be too hard to say that Javert does or has already clocked him and is like yeah. just being like, oh no, only one man, yeah. head cock. <laughs> but he's not like there's in in that five or six solid page description of Javert that mm. we've just that we've just had mm. like there was no hint that he actually knew who he was like mm. Javert thinks that there's something fishy in in Madeleine's background but then even if he doesn't know that it's Jean Valjean mm. and even though he is specifically saying only one man I know could lift something like mm. this he's probably been around enough criminals or convicts mm. that he knows that they would have to have some that ability to carry strength, strength. Mm. and even if he's not saying oh i think you're jean Valjean," he could be saying oh i think you're a convict if you can do this you are probably mm. a convict yeah because yeah. no one else would have to live this kind of way yeah yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. ah said madeline <laughs> in toulon prison madeline turned pale some of some of the dialogue in this it's not great <laughs> i confess um <laughs> Meanwhile, the cart was sinking and Père Fauchelevent was gasping and crying. I'm suffocating. My ribs are breaking. Do something. Stop having a moment. Yeah. Just get on with it, please. I'm going to die. Madeline gestures around and does a, you know, will no one else, no, will no one save him for all of this gold that I've offered you? No one moved. Javert repeated, I have known only one man capable of doing the work of a jack. The man I mentioned. It's crushing me, the old man's <laughs> <life. laughs> it's, it's, it's excellent. Honestly, it's excellent. I want a version where, like, in the play, this is, like, playing out, and like, they just reach a point where they're both all like, can you not see? Like, stop fucking interjecting on our tension. Oh, God, yeah, I want the ten-minute scene version of this. Yeah. Yeah. Ah! Oh, no, my ribs are crushing my lungs. A convict who works as a jack. Ah! <laughs> I can imagine this like long thing, and by the time like they finally stop conjecturing around each other, like it's been the quarter of the hour, the hour, the jack gets it. The amount of time he's taking being like 10, 10, no, no, take us a 10, no, take us a 10, 20, 20, 20, 20. But it probably was only two minutes away by the time they've had all of these, like, he said slowly, eye contact. Yeah, after it's crushing me, uh, Madeline pauses for a moment and meets the vulture gaze of Javert and um, smiles sadly. With that a moment, he went on his knees and before anyone... <laughs> before, anyone before anyone else could speak was under the cart. Um, there was a moment of hideous uncertainty and silence. Madeline, almost flat on his stomach beneath that terrifying weight, was seen to make two fruitless efforts to bring his elbows and knees together. A voice cried, Père Madeleine, come out of there! Old Fauchelevent, who was drowning and being suffocated <laughs> in the mud, 
Um, <laughs> that's not what it says. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, I, gonna, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that would yeah. match some of the dialogue that was going on earlier. I was believing it. No, but it's just like, like, <laughs> 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 cried. Go away, Monsieur Madeleine. I'm done for. Let me be, or you'll be killed too. Whilst being crushed and suffocated. <laughs> like, when you're being suffocated, your body shuts down into, like, what I need to do is get air. And, like, you can't, your body cannot let you speak. It's why, like, people who drown can't shout for help. Mm. You, you wouldn't be going, sit, just uh, don't worry, it'll be fine. Like, he it's would be silent because he can't breathe and mm. all his body, like, his body would not be allowing him to speak. Don't be such a down killer. killer. <laughs> a down killer. Down killer. I will not. <laughs> yeah, so ever, everything is very tense. The cartwheels are sim sinking, and after after a, um, a tremendous effort from um, Monsieur Madeleine, the cart with its load was seen to rise slowly upward, its wheels half emerging from the quagmire, crying in a stifled voice, Hurry up! Help me! Um, Madeleine made his supreme effort. There was a, a sudden rush. The gallantry of a single man had lent strength and courage to all. The cart was lifted by ten pairs of arms, and old Fauchelevent was saved. Got to be an economical question in there somewhere, like someone, mm. someone providing the down payment, and then ten people <laughs> coming. To... Yeah, but it's the situation where it's um, 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 Monsieur Madeleine putting an input into the economy, like providing a start, basically a new, mm. and then that being taken forward and lifted and supported by all the people around and then it benefiting everyone mm. this isn't at all how i pictured it from the movie i thought he like i was gonna get up and do it but this is radio yeah well for you guys <laughs> i thought he like was stood up like lifted from the knees and like heaved it up and mm, it was just yeah. him like and they were like wow those bulging so muscles i didn't imagine it that he like crawls down and was kind of just like push up is that a push, mm, press yeah, up, press, press, up. Pre press up being the thing, and then everyone scrambles to help. Mm. Was that not dramatic enough for the yes. film? I think I think this is more dramatic. Like he is like in like he's in like flat on his back in the mud, trying to get and completely underneath it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Can't remember what did it look like in the play? Uh, like, it, yeah. like his knees, like heaving. Like, yeah, heaving yeah. behind him. Suppose you can see more of what's happening yeah i guess so. the but then the tension of is he okay, is he okay? Mm. and then suddenly the cart starts to rise mm. yeah yeah no act i was just act. surprised the I wanna, didn't this yeah. didn't it happen more like this in the bbc i, I didn't get that far i can't remember yeah either. i feel like maybe it did like he was more flat and more yeah. like rather than like lifting up as you say yeah. with his hands and his yeah. knees because he's in more danger putting himself in more danger in this actual book version yeah mm. um, where if he can't do it he's yeah, probably also trapped in the because everyone's like oh my god yeah. don't do that whereas if he's just lifting it with his arms yeah, and legs it's like, well, you might as well fucking try yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah and yeah. also Javert like only one man could be but he's got ten men helping him mm. Yeah, well, I think that's the thing so the is that initial... like it, it was so that it was assumedly so down on the ground mm. that like they couldn't have all lifted it. Mm. But oh, like you need to it... get someone to get the finger holes under. I guess. Yeah. yeah. I, I guess. I get. Uh, so Madeline gets to his feet, and um, he was white, even though the face his face was running through sweat. 
and his clothes were torn and caked in mud. The old man clasped him around the knees, invoking the name of God. His own expression was indescribable, was an indescribable mingling of distress and triumph as he gazed calmly back at Javert, who was still fixedly regarding him. <laughs> he didn't help? Nope. He's an officer of the law. Ah, uh, yes, the law, not community <laughs> services. <laughs> Never! <laughs> That's the end of that chapter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Last image of um, Jean Valjean gazing calmly. Long Javert. Stairs, fixedly. Fixedly. Yeah. Uh, we get a nice, a nice closure for Fauchelevent, um, who <laughs> we never see him again. No, we never see him again. So Fauchelevent um, had uh, broken his knee in the fall, and um, he goes to an infirmary served by two Sisters of Mercy, which had been set up um, in the factory for the benefit of the workers. Yeah. So it's like ah. Oh, You've gone to this hospital, which also would have wouldn't have existed without mm. Monsieur Madeleine. On the follow on the following morning, the old man found a thousand franc note on his bedside table. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I just had this in my pocket. Yeah. They took it out before they put it in the laundry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With a, with a note in Madeleine's handwriting, I'm buying your horse and cart. Cart was damaged and the horse was dead. Um, so Fauchelevent um, recovers, but has a, a permanently stiff knee and. Um, gets a job as a gardener in the convent of Saint-Antoine, um, the Saint-Antoine corner of Paris. And sure, we'll never see them again. Never comes up never again. Never comes up again. There will not be an essay about <laughs> Never, no. So shortly after all of this um, shenanigans, um, Monsieur Madeleine is elected as mayor, and this ties into what you were saying two weeks ago, Stevie. What did I say two weeks ago? Why was Javert questioning um, oh, yeah. Jean Valjean, um, Monsieur Madeleine, when he was in a position of authority? And, mm. sort of and this is where some of that comes into play. Um, shortly after uh, Madeleine is elected mayor, and when for the first time Javert saw him wearing the robes which vested her. <laughs> him the full authority over the town a tremor went through him like, <laughs> like that of a hound which scents a wolf in sheep's clothing mm. thereafter he avoided him whenever possible and when his duties obliged him to have direct dealings with the mayor he addressed him in terms of the utmost formality authority geek yes mm. i reckon but yeah it's but it's not as like mm. I feel like a lot of fanfic makes it into the whole like, oh, as soon as he is mayor, mm. Javert is like idol worship kind of like thing. Whereas this, he's like wolf in sheep's clothing. Like, mm. I'm addressing you in the most formal way I can possible, but not, it doesn't seem like he's got any respect mm. for him. Yeah. yeah. So you are, you are no longer, you are no longer just a, a citizen of a town mm. who I am responsible for. You are now in a position of authority over me mm. in those sort of most simplest of terms yeah. like he's not necessarily he would be punching up mm. um, Javert would be punching up rather than punching down now which mm. is a lot more difficult to mm. do yeah am i misremembering it as like sparkly eyed about um no he is he usually yeah is. people in authority that if he already had distrust and now he's like oh no he's in authority that he doesn't want to have to deal with that and that's why he's like, I won't deal with you at all. Yeah. So yeah. he doesn't have to face any uh, conflicted feelings. Mm. 
but yeah, I, he definitely you can like he explicitly distrusts him. Mm. Like you can like you can definitely see he he explicitly distrusts him still, even though he is in um, yeah the wolf a wolf in sheep's clothing is the 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 scriptor. Yeah, here's quite an interesting bit. I think that you've brought up before, Nemo. There's a short paragraph about um, a way that people can tell the prosperity of a town, like in addition to uh, some of the other ones that were detailed before. One of the clear indications is that when there's a lot of poverty in, in, a, in a town and there's um, like there's not a huge amount of work and the, and the economy is bad, um, the the people who have to pay taxes do as much as they can to resist having to pay taxes because they don't have any money mm. whereas when people are in uh, prospering and when people have enough money to be able to pay tax comfortably um it's actually a lot cheaper for the tax for the state to collect taxes mm. so there's a this a short um aside about the fact that in Montreux-sur-Mer the cost that it takes for the government to collect taxes has dropped by three quarters mm. of, of what it had been showing like the relative comfort of the people mm. the security that the people in the in in the town feel and that has been allowed to them pretty much by um, monsieur madeleine such was the state of affairs when fontine returned to the town no one remembered her but fortunately the doors of madeleine's factory were open she found employment in the women's workshop the work was new to her and she was not very good at it. Mm. Nor was the pay large, but it sufficed to solve her problem. It bought her a living. Mm. So we return to Fontaine. <laughs> Three whole big boys in one whole chapter. Yeah, mm. for real. No, we've, we've, done, we've gone over a couple. Yeah. Oh, in this chapter. Yeah. You brought up the thing about tax at some point. I'm sure. Did you not? I don't remember it. <laughs> I remember, I, like, I read this, this paragraph and I was mm. like, huh, I remember someone bringing this up. Could be. Could be. Could be. Take it, Nemo. Yeah, yeah, sure. I'll take yes. my shirt. I did that. Good job, me. Yeah. Um, this chapter is entitled, It All Happens Very Quickly. It's not. <laughs> it's um, entitled, um, Madame Victernien. 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 Um, <laughs> spends 35 francs in the cause of morality. Speeding through this one. Turns out we only care about Chavez. <laughs> so um fontine has yet yeah, come back to um M-Sir-M, um and she's found where she had got quite quite sort of lazy about doing work and that sort of thing because she'd become accustomed to living in a certain way with um Ptolemais. her natural readiness to work was genuinely revived and then she bought a mirror gazed with pleasure at her youth her beautiful hair and white teeth and forgot a great many things, which I, I, I don't really understand. Is it just a reminder to the audience who are receiving this in part form that she was very beautiful? Like, it's a really interesting moment later on when Cosette becomes an adult, where she looks into a mirror and she says, decidedly, I am beautiful. And it's like against all odds and against literally everyone in her life telling her that she's an ugly child and that she can't aspire to anything. She just looks at herself and goes, hey, you know what? Fuck all that. I'm actually really fucking hot. Mm. Hey, hope. I don't know. It is really problematic. She's like we were saying a couple weeks ago, like 13, 14, yeah. like coming into adulthood, square quotes, because mm. <laughs> that's not adulthood. 
Victor. But, um, and 19th century. Yeah. <laughs> at the 19th century. Yeah. You stopped that. <laughs> yeah. I think you're right in that it is Victor being like, hey, remember people who haven't read this for a while, Fontaine mm. is the beautiful girl. Yeah. I would like to read into it that she she has nothing apart from her beauty and her confidence mm. in her beauty. Mm. And like having confidence in your beauty or having confidence in your look despite everything that's going on around you yeah. despite everyone making you feel like you're worthless yeah. and stuff like that is quite a brilliant thing yeah what it makes me think of actually is um you played undertale right yeah <laughs> you know when you look in the mirror at um, the beginning in oh, i can't remember what the mum goat's name is her um house but you know the the caption when you look into the mirror at the beginning is it's you exclamation mark and when you come back to the mirror of it at, at the end um you look into the you look into the mirror and despite everything it's still you mm. is the caption and it's just it's a really like it's a it's a really potent mm. part of it mm. but that's that's what like that mm. makes me think very much of the like the difference between this and then when it happens to present Mm. That sort of yeah. feeling. This felt for me weird. I mean, maybe out of place for how he's written her Fontaine up to this point, mm. where it was that whole like she was beautiful, but she wasn't aware of it, mm. and that like like I mm. super want for everyone to be able to look at themselves and be like, yeah, yeah, yeah but like you know, you know, kind of like in context of this book and the time it was written, it kind of was a little bit jarring because you'd expect if a woman's looking at her own reflection and enjoying it, mm. then she's prideful. Mm. <laughs> um, so it just seemed like a, like, oh, that doesn't seem like how he's... That's true. Done but we've not seen her for a while, so yeah. she will have... No, I think that's pretty, like, on... Like, again, uh, putting too much on Victor here, <laughs> but, like, I, I do think that it is something when this is her gaze on herself, mm. she's not looking in the mirror to go out and find a boy... Or like anything mm. like that, and even though it is problematic that like she's the only character who always comes in and is like always judged by her appearance, mm. but like you're saying, like the fact that she's looking at herself and she's judging herself, or she's not judging herself, but she's looking at herself for herself, and that she has pride in this and that that's what she can have. Mm. It reminds me of that art project where people were putting cell phones, mobile phones, in like statues like yeah. those greek statues oh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. like whereas before when you look at them it's the male gaze of the the person who has yeah. carved this statue to be a beautiful body but and they typically have like their arm out in front of them mm. as soon as you put like a, a mobile phone in it looks like they're taking a selfie and suddenly it's a celebration of their own beauty yeah and also loads of people were looking at it and being like oh they look so vain now and yeah. they look so blah, blah blah and it's like whenever a woman looks at herself in any mm. reverential way it's seen as like negative yeah. and bad that she has proud pride in herself. Mm, yeah. So mm. that is something. Mm. I don't know that I trust you. No, absolutely, yeah. I do not. No. Yeah. No, so no, that's what I mean. That like we would read this now and be as like, yeah, yeah, you do look great. Yeah. <laughs> but I just feel like a man mm. in the the time that it's just the connotations. I th I feel like the assumption mm. would be if a woman was to be looking at herself that it's vain yeah. and that's just seems so different from how he'd yeah. written her before yeah. where her, she's so beautiful because she wasn't aware but 
mm. blah 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 and all that bullshit but yeah it just seems like a her clothes just, fitted her perfectly and yet she never got them tailored to, yeah. To yeah so it just seemed yeah strange that now mm. he's got hair uh, I wonder if an aspect of it is as well because she was described as at one point her um isn't it like her only gold is the gold in her hair and her mm. and like her pearls are her teeth. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. So it could be a reminder of the it could be like a, a foreshadowing sort of remind like mm. obviously it is because it is something that we keep coming back to is mm. how beautiful her hair and how beautiful her teeth are. But um just gotta keep on reminding you that <laughs> yeah, she's it, got teeth. It feels, and yeah, hair. it feels clumsy. Yeah. Yeah. I feel I feel like it's a reminder of that, but it feels clumsy in this. Mm. Yeah, this. but then but then that's because we know. Yeah, but also she's like she bought a mirror, gazed with pleasure at her youth, her beautiful hair and and white teeth. Like 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 I'm I'm with you on this. Like it's not mm. how she's described. Mm. Like she, Victor trying to show like a change in her behavior following Ptolemy's mm. because she's gone from being yeah. a straightforward honest working girl mm. to a lady of leisure a lady yeah. who lunches mm. um but even after Ptolemy's yeah. like the 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 girls chicken yeah. dinner and all them da- Dahlia Marguerite favorite favorite Zephine Zephine good job <laughs> and the boys know and we Ptolemy's Something that's like Listerine. Oh, blush veil. Blush veil. Blush veil. I don't know. Him. Listerine. Him. Oh, minty wait. fresh. You have to... Minty fresh. Yeah. yeah. Um. Uh. Like with the women who were like, you know, we know what we are. We know what we've done. Yeah. We know what we're at mm. and stuff. And we kind of wanted Fontaine to have some sort of agency mm. in herself. So maybe this is mm. her getting some agency. Mm. I do Perhaps. agree with you that mm. it's Hugo just being Perhaps. like, she has hair and teeth, remember this. Yeah. <laughs> They're nice. Who is she just written? She has hair and teeth. <laughs> I just want you to know. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't, like, There, I think there are three levels to this, right? You have the, like, this is a Chekhov's gun. <laughs> This is a slight character change, and mm. this is a feminist reading of mm. a female character. It's definitely not feminist reading. I'm, I, I'm doubtful that it's like a character change. Yeah. It's definitely a Chekhov's gun, but yeah. I feel like it's a Chekhov's gun with a little bit of character. Well, you yeah. could read like character development into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really because there's um, 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 she rented a small room and furnished it on credit against her future earnings, a survival of her disorderly habits. Mm. comes at the end of that paragraph mm. so there is maybe the implication that like her time with Ptolemy's has changed her a little mm-hmm. bit mm. yeah. yeah well we're all in agreement nice <laughs> good work yeah we did it so because she 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 can't mention Cosette because she can't pretend that she's married obviously um and at the beginning she you know has as we spoke about before um she can pay the Tenardiers evenly because the the money they they start off asking for less money and then it gets more and more. She because she can't write, she um, has to hire a a letter a letter writer when she. Haven't we read this before? I, this feels so. F- I mean, I know that I know the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I feel like we've had the whole. She hires a letter writer. I think we we've had it from the Tenardier and Cadets. Mm side oh right i think we're having it now from 
the um, Fontine side. Okay. Who's yeah. hitting the same beats. Yeah, so she she has to get a public letter writer because she is sending lots of letters. Um, apparently the, the women's workshop uh, thinks that she gives herself airs. Um, and there's an interesting part of this chapter which is about um, gossips. No one is more avidly curious about other people's doings than those people whom they do not concern. <laughs> we get a, a a fairly beefy paragraph about um, the habits of gossip mongers, the amount of time and resources and energy that they're allowed that they're um, happy to devote to mm. answering the questions that arise from their nosing in other people's business. There are people who are prepared to devote as much time and resources to answering the of these riddles as would suffice for a dozen good deeds and quite gratuitously with inquisitiveness as its own reward so yeah these people are happy to um they all follow a person for days keep watch at street corners and from doorways <laughs> at night in the cold and rain they will bribe hall porters tip cab drivers and lackeys suborn chambermaids what the fuck does suborn mean chambermaids and for what for nothing for the satisfaction <laughs> For the satisfaction of finding out, knowing and unravelling from it an itch to disclose. And it can happen that these broadcast secrets, mysteries exposed to the light of day, are the, are the cause of disaster. Duels, bankruptcies, ruined families, wrecked lives, to the delight of those who got to the bottom of it, from no personal interest, from instinct alone. It is a sad phenomenon. They didn't have TV, though. <laughs> like, what are you going to do? <laughs> Seems like honestly, I'm with them <laughs> to induce secret to do an unlawful thing. But do they know that they're telling lies? They think that they're telling truths, don't they? No, but I feel the suborning is because um, it was suborning chambermaids. Uh. So it was the gossip goes and bribes the chambermaid uh. to get such information on their matter yeah. of curiosity. Uh. Yeah, so all of this is going on around Fontaine, basically, because everyone thinks she's got heirs. Yeah, all of this this um, shitty behaviour is, is comes from people's need to gossip, and their conversation, drawing room chatter, antechamber asides, resembled a wide hearth of the kind that rapidly burns up logs. They need plenty of fuel, and their fuel is their neighbour. <laughs> so Fontaine's doing doings were observed, and beside which some of the Fontaine, some some of the women were jealous of her golden hair and white teeth. In case you <laughs> forgot that she's got hair and also teeth, um, it must have been pretty fucking impressive to have white teeth. Yeah, mm. I don't know how she has white teeth. No. Yeah, so Fontaine is seen in the workshop sometimes to have turned her head to wipe away a tear um, <laughs> when she is suddenly reminded of her child and perhaps also of the man she had loved. Boo. Boo. <laughs> fuck him. Don't Do not fuck him. Fuck him. Um, yeah, so she sends a letter um, twice a month, two letters a month, um, always to the same address and paying the postage in advance. This is all of this is all of the information that the gossips are slowly mm -hmm. uncovering. That's sort of the perspective that we get. This um, the name of her correspondent is discovered, Monsieur Tenardier, innkeeper at Montfermeil, the letter writer that she had booked to get the letters written was an elderly man who um, could not keep his mouth shut when his stomach was filled. 
ballad, um, who was pl plied with wine, and it, so it became known that Fontaine had a child. Um, so that's the kind of woman she is. Um, one of the townswomen goes to Montfermeil and um, talks to, to Thenardier. When she comes back, she says, It cost me 35 francs, but now I know everything. I have seen the child. Didn't this happen? God, am I having a stroke? No, we, we got from Thenardier's point of view of, like, he sort of finds out that maybe she's keeping things secret. And that's why he upped the price again. I thought she had a landlady who, like, went and found out about the kid already. I thought this already happened. Maybe we talked about it, but we definitely haven't read this bit. Yeah, because this is chronologically follows. Okay. Because we are following... I am moving chronologically through the book. <laughs> By well, turning the pages it's over. not a non-linear. No, no, God. Uh, yes, yeah, so um, this is um, Madame Victorinia. I'm going to stick with that, and mm -hmm. that's what I'm going to say. She's described as an inflexible guardian of public morals. She's 56 and bears a countenance of mingled age and ugliness. Um, because mean people must be ugly. Mm -hmm. That's just, those are the rules. That's how it goes. She had apparently um, married a monk who had, um, yeah, had given up his monkhood. She's described as dry, withered, acid, thorny, malicious and venomous. <laughs> she still lived on the memory of her departed monk who... Yeah, her monk died. Um, who Aww. who um, ruled her with a rod of iron? After the restoration, she had become a religious bigot to the point that <laughs> to the point that the pr priests had forgiven her her monk. Gosh, um, so she basically got she... married to a person who was religious in one way, and then when he died, she became religious in a completely different way. So all the priests then forgave her for corrupting a monk. Yeah. She had ostentatiously bequeathed a small property to um, the religious community and enjoyed the favour of a nearby bishop. Um, so she comes back to, um, from Montfermeil to Montrésemer um, um, and, yes, says, I have seen the child. And this month was the month where um, Thenardier finally raised the price for looking after mm -hmm. Cosette to 15 francs from what had originally been seven francs to look after Cosette. Fontaine was, like, was, is completely stuck, but she can't leave um, Montreuil-Semer because she owes money for both the rent and also the furniture oh, that yeah. she took out, mm -hmm. assuming that she was going to be able to be paid next. So she owes about 150 francs. Um, she begs the supervisor at the women's workshop for money who gives her the money, but then dismisses her. She had, in any case, been an indifferent worker. Overwhelmed by shame, even more than despair, she left the factory and took refuge in her room. Her fault was now known to everyone. She lacked the courage to plead her case and did not venture to approach the mayor, even though she was advised to do so. The mayor, by way of the supervisor, had given her 50 francs because he was kind and had sent her away because she was just. She accepted that verdict. I swear to God we've read this because I remember that sentence. Maybe we've just talked about this chapter before. Yeah. I think a lot of aspects of this chapter have come out. Have come mm. up before. Also, so was the foreman being a creep not in the book? The foreman was, yeah. a, was a woman. Yeah. Well, women can also be creeps, but she but she appeared not to be. Lecherous yes. creep. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so was that? Mm. Completely made up. Yeah. Because that's what most stories need. More creepy sexual men. assault. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then when she's dismissed, like he gives her a severance package, 
Yeah. And it's like, sorry, you're obviously not working. Like, he, I don't think he knows about the... No. No. We talked about it in the BBC episode because we talked about how, yeah, he he was the one to fire her. Yes. Whereas in the book, I don't think it actually says whether he knows about... It doesn't seem... No, because she doesn't um, plead her case. Mm. Um, but it does say that everyone knows her fault was known to everyone. So, yeah. But then whether Mayor Madeline would engage with the gossips of the town is very unlikely. Yeah, true. Um, I don't think he would know. Either way, it's quite a, like, in-the-middle thing. Yeah. To be like, I have set these rules mm. and I don't know your story. Mm. His money though like you're not mm. going onto the street and also he's not firing her he's mm. is he she was dismissed mm. she's firing her she's dismissed woman. by the by the supervisor yeah. yeah and i feel like he mm. would trust the supervisor that's why yeah. he's put her in the yeah. job it goes yeah. on in the next chapter to talk about how even the greatest men must um uh, delegate duty mm. and that he trusted the 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 supervisor mm. so yeah so even someone who is supervisor is dismissing he's like mm. uh, i'm not gonna let you out and go find another job but yeah we've set rules here yeah 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 they, they draw a lot of attention as well to well not a ton of attention but like we've had at least two mentions that she's not actually a very good worker mm. so you've got yeah it's not just about we had this thing mm. it's like We've had this thing which breaks the rule we've set. Also, you're not a good you're worker. Not this. And you're not yeah. putting effort into it as well. Yeah. It seemed like it was saying. Yeah. Um, yeah, it said that, it, so that, that was mentioned two times. The work was new to her and she was not very good at it. Mm. And then she had, in any case, been an indifferent worker. Mm. Yeah. So it doesn't really say that she's not putting effort into it. No, but... I think I think she's just, yeah, not particularly. The um, From earlier... Per Madeleine demanded goodwill, goodwill from the men and pure morals from the women and honesty from all. He separated the sexes so that the women could remain virtuous. In this, he was inflexible, but it was the only matter in which he could said to, could be said to be intolerant. I find this all very interesting. Mm. And that they then, yeah, have a, make it a male foreman in... Well, we, we've watched... I've only watched the play mm. and... It's movie. always the and in, yeah, it's, and they always make it a male form, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it wasn't but, in the TV show. Oh, is no, no, it was, it was. Oh, is that woman? Yeah, yeah they made they made the gossip monger and the supervisor the same person. Yeah, mm-hmm. when we've got in the book him being like, the thing I won't budge on is yeah. I don't want men mixing with the women for the exact reason that in the versions that I personally mm. have seen. Mm come about yeah, yeah <laughs> he literally true. was like you know what i don't want to happen mm. these scenes that happen in the the musical, musical. Mm-hmm. um interesting to me and also that a lot of why jean valjean's childhood was not great is because there were seven kids and like it doesn't really say much about mm. jean's husband mm. i think he died that wouldn't have been unusual, though, especially in poor rural families, because yeah. so many children would have died. I feel like it's so many. A, a thing where he would see, like, mm. you're young women and you're working, and also if yeah. we have integration of sexes. Mm. I don't know. I mm. want to read good things into it. But... Yeah, like, there, there are, I think, um, Victor Hugo 
does quite a lot not to condemn Valjean here. Mm. Like she doesn't, she is encouraged to approach the mayor and but doesn't. It's sort of it is implied that maybe he would have done more to help if she had asked. Mm. Um, so I think, yeah, I think um, Hugo does quite a lot to make it so like, oh, if only she had asked, mm. um, maybe he would have done something. Can't help what you don't know. Can't yeah. help what you don't know. It does. It, it is sort of implied that that he doesn't that he doesn't know. I would say. Mm. I just can't let go of the like. The foreman being a woman just completely changes that whole thing of that she's like, you lied, which is what the boss says you can't do. Mm. And you're not the best of workers, so it's not worth keeping you on knowing that also you've lied to us. Mm. Versus just that scene in the musical where he's the foreman man is like, oh, you have a child. I should have known you were a cat. Yeah, oh, like... Mm. Why wouldn't you sleep with me when you've already slept with other people? That's why I'm tossing you out, is more yeah. what it seemed like. They were just mm. like, that's just such it's a such different a situation. Yeah. And also, it, it, like, I guess in the musical, it is setting up for her going into sex work, because mm. it's that, like, if you can't please one man, then two men, then three men. And also the, her eventual condemnation comes from um, a man in that context mm. with the um the scene of the guy in the snow and that mm. versus this which is like it's quite like it's not anticlimactic but it's quite like a passive way that she's going into mm. unemployment mm. in that it's you're not that great a worker and we have done some gossip and stuff and <laughs> we're putting our judgment mm. onto you yeah and now she's unemployed mm. yeah like need both is not good Mm. Like both, like them gossiping about her, and that leads to her losing her job. That's awful. And then a male foreman sort of using that bit of information to sort of make it about his own. I wanted to sleep with you thing. Also not good. Mm. Um, they're just the choice to make it that. Yeah, I suppose it's it's there's so much there's so much suffering from the female characters in this. Like the the choice to put more of it in is side eyes yeah. um, and that she can't like be suffering without it centering a man's yeah. active choice yeah. on her yeah her being a victim of um lust and... yeah i can't believe that well i can believe that <laughs> but like i'd expect the worst version to be coming from this book <laughs> well because i think we're so desensitized to these things that you have to have to, in scare quotes, put in something more dramatic and something mm. bigger. And I, I don't believe that. I, I, yeah. I feel like that's what these people... What's-his-face, the guy who did the BBC drama, basically said that as well when he yeah. changed it. Yeah. And he was like, mm. well, nobody's going to watch it if I stick to the book. I have to make it sexier and mm. more violent. So. Yeah. yeah. I think I just completely thought that... Because I assume... Because you, as you said before about the uh, Broadway play... It's been this way since, what, the 80s? Yeah. If not later. So I just assumed the Fontaine being kicked out of the factory scene. Mm. I just assumed that that was something that was how it went down, I think. from the text. Mm. Yeah, but I have only seen those two versions, but I had just assumed that I was like, well, I know the musical is based on the Broadway musical, but I assume that that has, like... Like, I know it's not totally accurate. I don't know. I don't know why the... 
I'm just really like, what <laughs> about this one scene? Musical like, was here before Broadway. West End, yeah, it was West End. It started in West End. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, sorry. Mm. Um, like, I can see how they'd be like, make it more dramatic because they were too nice about being like, here's why we have to let you go. Yeah. But don't worry, yeah. here's your redundancy package. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, no, she's got to go straight on the streets. Mm. And maybe but, she's tossed out of the building. Yeah, and with a handful of coins. Yeah, but it's the like, it's like, oh, there's not enough sexual assault in this book. Yeah. Like, mm. more. I don't know. It's more, it's more of the things that, that it's the same. It's the same Game of Thrones shit from yeah, from okay, however yeah. long before, isn't it? Like, it's like how can we make this more emotive for people? And it's like great sexual violence. Like, mm. I guess I shouldn't be surprised. No, but I just was, yeah. <laughs> and I am. Yeah, yeah. And on that note, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm. Oh, I was about to say I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. I am angry. I'm also just disappointed. <laughs> yeah. Now you get to on that but And on that note, <laughs> it's been Baron Barricade's Lamest Podcast, produced by me, Nemo Martin, and Julian Yap. It was a Captain's Collection podcast. If you have any comments, questions, or quibbles, you can send us a question through our email, lamestpodcast, L E S M I S podcast at gmail.com. On Twitter, at lamestpodcast, or on Tumblr, at Bread and Barricades. If you'd like to help us send CV to the library, we have a Kofi. Even like a small donation would really help us to help with running fees and send CV to the library. Our sound director is Jade, who you can find on her website, jadewasabi.com. Bye! Thank you! Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening! Oh god, that's like me with the yeah. <laughs> I just sit here quietly taking things off of both of you. <laughs> or like if one of you's like doing something, I'll just like stare at it until you feel the weight of my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>